Hi, I'm Bob Mater, Chairman Emeritus of the National Association of Flight Instructors. I'm here today with Wayne Bailey and John Damish. We're gonna be talking to you, the drone pilot and drone instructors about risk management and some of the tools you can use to become better and safer in the national airspace system. Evening guys. Hello. Hi Bob. So we were talking earlier before we started recording this about my favorite topic in aviation in general, risk management. And Wayne and uh, John have some thoughts about that. Wayne, I'm gonna kick it over to you. You know, we were talking about earlier about what do we have in common with drone pilots and aviators flying fixed wing manned. And the subject came up with bird strikes. You know, bird strikes affect both, both sides, drone flying and fixed wing. So what are your thoughts about how birds are affecting, or uh, anybody any background or history on what kind of birds, how many bird strikes that we've had in the drone industry? How about fixed wing? Uh, do you guys keep up with how many it's being hit uh, on an annual basis? Yes, it is tracked. I don't have the statistics right now. John, you might have them. Um, now I thought my head, but it's more than we want. That's true. And of course, there's a famous case of Sully, the ultimate bird strike where he had to put uh, an Airbus in the Hudson River. Talk about risk management. Indeed. Right. Indeed. And I think for uh, drone pilots, uh, as an instructor, if you're teaching these, these new pilots, we've got to be able to make sure that they understand where that drone is flying. It could go down at any given time. So if you're in the middle of a street flying, hovering, and you have a bird striker now come in and uh, hits it and has it call down, uh, fall down to the middle of the street, what is it going to hit? Is it going to hit the windshield of a car? Is it going to hit a pedestrian? So it's very, very important that we always be thinking if where I'm at right now and it goes down, what would it hit? What do you think? I think that's great. John, any thoughts? Well, I think, um, you know, coming back to the original topic, Bob, of, of risk management, you know, um, when I grew up and, you know, learned what risk really meant, there's kind of three approaches to risk management. There's risk elimination, right? And as we all know, the only risk-free flight is no flight, right? So sometimes it's very hard to, you know, take advantage of an aircraft or drone um, by saying, no, I'm not going to fly today. <laughs> Might have to, like it's, it's kind of the mission. Um, the second step is risk mitigation, right? So, okay, I know I have to go do this thing. I know these risks could present themselves. How can I mitigate them? And we use strategic mitigations. We use tactical mitigations. Hopefully those are enough to never get into a position where we have to react um, and like, you know, lean on our human capabilities to avoid a mishap. And then I think the, the last level is risk acceptance. Uh, at some point, you know, and probably the military is most comfortable with this, there are just some phases where you're like, you know what, I'm just going to accept it. And we're almost rolling the dice a little bit that it doesn't manifest itself during this period of flight or whatever. So I think Wayne, you know, bird strikes are a great one. You know, these are, this is a risk we cannot eliminate. It's a risk that's very hard to mitigate because birds are unpredictable. Um, they scare the heck out of me when I'm flying, you know, at low altitudes because you don't know what they're going to do. I mean, the, the very best you can guess is most birds tend to, if they sense something nearby, tuck their wings and use gravity to go down really fast. Um, but there's no guarantee they're going to do that. So you're, you're left feeling kind of helpless when you're close enough to see birds. 
in an aircraft. And I think, you know, drones, um, they are, they look like birds to birds and they're operating in airspace. That's typically where the bird like nests. So I think you're going to see an increase in predatory behavior. Um, you know, maybe other types of behavior because they think this is something else and, you know, a, that could hurt your drone. B, it could hurt the bird. Uh, and then finally, I think your third-party risk is entirely appropriate. It could hurt somebody who's completely uninvolved in your operation, who happens to be below where this uh, bird strike happens. So I think it's a, it's a reasonable thing to at least open the topic of risk management as a drone operator or as a drone instructor, um, because it's one that exists for all aviators today. You know, when I'm, I'm talking to my students about this very thing, I say, you know, predator birds would be like a hawk or an eagle are going to attack your drone. And the reason why they're attacking most times is that you're flying near a nest. And you said a while ago to reduce that risk, I said, if you've got a, an eagle or a hawk that is constantly badgering your drone, it's time to land and call it a day and say, chief, I'm sorry, we can't fly today. We got to go to another location or this is just not bird wins. Right. And mitigate that risk and land and go to the house. Wayne, uh, I think you had a video you'd like to share about uh, somebody having a having their aircraft attacked by a bird and the disaster that almost happened. All right. Sure. Here's a video from Instagram that I saw of a bird strike on a drone. Looks like an Inspire. Yeah. And I just think out loud where that drone landed, it landed in uh, uh, in a street. What if a car had been going by at the time and this thing had hit the windshield? And I was kidding around a while ago. I said, can the driver imagine what he said? Like, did you see the size of that bug? It hit the windshield? No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, this would, could have caused the car to veer left or right. Here's a, a pedestrian to the right. Could have swerved into him. So all kind of ugly things could have happened just by having that drone loitering above a street. So always be thinking, and this is what I tell my students, always be thinking, if this drone goes down, where is it going and what's it going to hit? That's a great way to say it. In the uh, corporation where I trained a couple hundred uh, drone operators, drone pilots, one of, the, one of the most important things that we said was always consider what happens if the drone goes goes stupid? What happens if the uh, if we by going stupid? That is, if we lose GPS, if it, if we end up in addy mode, can you fly in addy mode? Can you can you uh, handle the aircraft in the wind? Uh, what happens if we just have a flat runaway? You have a plan. Uh, we used to uh, our example is was always the fuel truck on the interstate, it crashes in front of the fuel truck on the interstate during rush hour. That's not a good day. And the other piece to it is that we are operating, and John, I think I'll ask you to think talk about this. We're operating at low altitude where uh, EMS helicopters live and all that, and all those other folks. Uh, in, indeed we are, uh, you know, FAR 91119 stipulates minimum safe distances from people, places, and things. And over congested areas, that's supposed to be a thousand feet, but there are a couple notable exceptions written into the rule. And one of those exceptions, as you just mentioned, Bob, is helicopters. They are permitted to fly below the minimum safe altitude, and there is no restriction 
um, on them and they have to, right? If it's law enforcement, they're, you know, they're in support of an officer on the ground who might be in a pursuit or, you know, uh, handling an assault. I mean, this is a life and death situation and that law enforcement helicopter pilot has to pay attention to their officer on the ground, which means their division of attention and the amount of cognitive capacity they have to look for traffic is significantly diminished. So, you know, the principle of see and avoid under 91.113 is see and be seen. There's an expectation that there's redundancy in the system because both pilots can see each other. Well, now I've got a helicopter pilot, law enforcement, that's paying attention to the ground, and I've got a drone that, uh oh, doesn't have a pilot on board. Well, now you've, you've basically violated that fundamental principle that keeps two aircraft from colliding into one another. So I think extra vigilance has to be taken. And on the part of the drone community, we're the new entrance to the airspace. Um, we're the more maneuverable craft in these environments. And we're, you know, we're sharing the airspace with everyone else. So I do think there is a responsibility on any of us as drone operators, any of us as drone instructors, any of us as actual flight instructors to kind of share knowledge and, you know, pull a page off of the way we teach primary students uh, in aviation, how to clear airspace, you know, how to read a chart and understand where there's a probability of high volumes of traffic at low altitude. And, and these are things, you know, we're talking about this before we talk, started the camera, but, um, you know, Wayne's building a capacity down uh, at Blue Ridge Mountain Drones around teaching people how to operate drones. Well, there, there is no such thing defined as a drone instructor yet, but boy, there's a lot of groundwork that's been laid over the last, you know, five, six decades in the flight instructor community. Specifically, we even have a ticket that says you don't have to fly. It's called an authorized ground instructor. And you know what? That's a ticket that you can go get through a, a written exam. Ah, there you go, Bob. I went written. A knowledge test. Um, and the FAA gives you an instructor certificate. Um, the knowledge that's contained in there is a great superset for the knowledge that any drone operator is going to need to safely navigate low altitude airspace and avoid, you know, these kinds of things. That's a great point. And along with that, in thinking about these things, don't forget that uh, risk management might not always be obvious. How far can you see the drone? You can you really see, and, I, and I'm trying to avoid brand names, but I will use one, can you really see a Mavic Pro a half a mile away? Does, how, good, how good is your visual observer? Should you use a visual observer? And if you, to help keep the drone in sight, how well can they see it? And speaking of visual observers, what's, What's their role? Maybe you need two visual observers, not just to keep mm -hmm. the drone in sight, but to keep people who, who are observing your operation from bothering the pilot yeah. at a critical phase. And when that visual Indeed. observer, you know, is the responsibility is to look out uh, for anything that may come in. And I've got a quick clip here I want to show you that uh, how important that is. But, you know, if, you're, if your uh, landscape is restricted by trees, you may not know that something's on you until it's right up on top of you. So just bear with me just a minute. I'm going to show you a clip that I, something I found today. So how low is that helicopter? Yeah. Yeah. How low is the helicopter coming across that bridge, right? Yep. So these are all great examples and just some small examples. So, 
Wayne is new to instructing, to aviation instructing. I've been around for 20 plus years as an instructor and helped establish a major drone program uh, at a large corporation. John works for an equally large corporation. How long have you been a flight instructor, John? Uh, 25 years. 25 years. So you and I have like experience. These are yeah. things that we think about every single day when we go up, not only with a manned pilot or a manned aircraft, I should say, but also when we're out operating our remote aircraft. And John had one more point that I really liked him to bring out uh, about risk. And I will say uh, how easy it's become to fly these aircraft. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll share a video because it, it's a nice segue from the, uh, uh, the bird strike into, into this topic. Let me share there. So this is courtesy of Google wing It's actually on the internet. If you search Google for Google wing Raven strike, you'll find it. Um, but this uh, was during a delivery in Australia where Google wing's been operating for some time now. And a Raven decides uh, he doesn't really like this drone. Um, and what you'll see is pretty incredible. Uh, the Raven is easily the size in terms of volume as of the drone, but in terms of mass, probably much more. It absolutely shreds the port side stabilizer, but notice the drone. Not only does it resist the attack, it actually completes the delivery. <laughs> That's pretty amazing, right? Like, I mean, this is, this is a new age of technology that is taking care of things that you know, a human pilot would be incredibly challenged uh, to be able to deal with. Now, that's wonderful, but there's also an inherent risk in this. And the inherent risk is that we get a little bit too comfortable with what technology can do. And in this exact example, the, the remote pilot in command is not controlling the aircraft at all. They're simply monitoring systems. Um, in some ways, great, you got the human out of the loop so the human mistake can't come in and create a problem for you. But at the same time, that RPIC doesn't have to be trained to be a pilot. So the contingency measures that they have are basically, okay, stop the flight. Well, the more dependent we get on technology, what we're actually becoming dependent on are the engineers and the product managers that develop that technology. Now, for the most part, people in aviation know aviation and we're in a good place. But some of these technologies are now democratized to the point that you cannot know much about aviation and go build yourself a drone. So I, I just say this with a bit of caution and, and encouragement for new drone pilots and potential drone instructors or drone instructors, understand the systems, understand how systems behave in the nominal condition and the off nominal condition, because that's how you can come back to risk mitigation and make sure that you plan your operation you plan your operational environment in a way that even if the off nominal thing happens and, and maybe it exceeds your ability to manage it directly, you can accept the risk because you know the outcome is going to be much, much lower. So th thanks for that, Bob. I, you know, I, I think this is an important point going forward for all of us. Absolutely. I think so too. And I think it's terrific. So here's a bit of a plug for the National Association of Flight Instructors. Well, first to summarize, consider expanding your aviation knowledge. It's not just the part 107 test. For those of you that wanna help others become successful, if you're already a pilot or a flight instructor, pass that knowledge on, that's terrific. If you're not a flight instructor, if you're not a manned pilot, consider, consider getting the advanced ground instructor certificates. 
a little bit of investment in time and money, not much. Uh, it's about 20 hours, probably about 20 hours of ground school. Uh, and you'll come away knowing a lot more about aviation and a lot more uh, background for your craft. Bit of a plug for the National Association of Flight Instructors. We are the largest flight instructor organization in the United, in the United States, and we're an international organization. We'd be happy to have you. Uh, you don't have to be a flight instructor to be a member. We will be starting a special interest group in July. And I, Wayne, it's the second Monday in July at 7 p.m. Yes. Eastern. I think that is July 11th. Let me just uh, verify that. All right. While Wayne's looking that up, the three of us will be running a special interest group at NAFI uh, talking about drones, how to instruct in drones, how flight, how manned flight instructors can help this, this new addition to the national airspace and to our aviation community. And we as manned pilots, and again, I'm both a commercial drone pilot and a flight, manned flight instructor, as is John. We welcome all of you that are new pilots to join us. We welcome you into the airspace and we encourage you to be safe and careful in your flying. Wayne and John, any final thoughts? Nope, July 11th, 7 p.m. Eastern time is what we've got set. All right, www.nafinet.org. Take a look there, take a look at special interest groups. And John, I kind of stepped on you. Any thoughts from you? <laughs> and not at all, let's go flying. Let's go fly. <laughs> all right, everybody be safe. By the way, it's been a hot summer in the Midwest. Make sure you're drinking lots of water. So take care, have a great, uh, have a great rest of your day. Enjoy Drone Day 2022. Be safe. Thank you.